Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. I am super excited about today's topic because it's a little nerdy. And I think it's kind of a missing piece when we think about mobility, when we think about muscular function, and ultimately when we think about exercise in general. So when you think of mobility, you think of breathing and flowing and maybe like moving joints in circular directions or maybe even holding a stretch. Although moving your joints is a piece of mobility, it really is only a fraction of the whole equation. If you truly want to maximize the mobility that your joint and bone structure will allow and ultimately be able to control that mobility and have the least amount of joint damage and discomfort, it's not just about moving the joints. It's also about understanding your nervous system and how your nervous system controls tightness and range of motion. So it's so much more about the software than the hardware. And I don't want to say so much more, you know, mechanics are super important still, but you know, without the software, without good software, we can't have good hardware. So really focusing on the nervous system, it can be a missing piece to ultimately feel good and function really, really well. So today we're going to talk about a mobility tool that is nothing like the mobility that you'd classically think of, but may have much more of a powerful influence on your mobility, on your posture, and ultimately on how you're able to perform in your workouts. And that tool is your visual system. We are going to talk about, you know, what your visual and vestibular system is, why it's so powerful why it can improve the outputs from your workouts and how to incorporate it into your workouts and into your routine. So let's back up and talk about tightness and range of motion because I think understanding that your muscles and tendons don't just have a mind of their own and that it's more about, again, the software than the hardware. I think understanding that is crucial to understanding how your visual system can ultimately influence your body and how your body functions and feels. As I've talked about many times, tightness happens when your body feels unsafe. Maybe it senses a bone spur that it doesn't want your bone to roll over and you know maybe damage a structure. Maybe you're healing from a workout and your muscles are quote unquote weaker and your body senses that, decreases your range of motion in order to keep you safe so that you don't move into a vulnerable position that is less stable and safe. Or maybe your nervous system isn't good in getting good inputs from the outside world. What does this last one mean? What does it mean that your nervous system isn't getting good in, input from the outside world? Well, your brain is a highly sensitive processing center, and it's taking in about 11 million bits per second of information from your environment via your five senses. And this comes in the form of, you know, reg, uh, regulating your body temperature in response to temperature in the room, atmospheric pressure, any noises that you may or may not be aware of, you know, the clothes on your skin, the quality of the air, the dryness of your skin and mouth, the light in the room, what you're seeing in your peripheral vision. All of these things are coming in and your body is aware of them, but we are only conscious of a max of about 50 bits per second out of that 11 million. So you are aware of a fraction or consciously aware of a fraction of what is happening around you. In other words, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of, but that your nervous system is. 
And your nervous system is automatically taking in all of this information, processing it and deciding how it wants you to feel and present in the world, physically, emotionally, mentally. If all this is going smooth in your environment, you feel calm, your muscles feel relaxed, your vision is clear, you feel overall comfortable. But when something is wrong or your body isn't getting clear inputs from your environment, it compensates physically to protect you. So this compensation could be in the form of tissue tightness or pain. And it can also be other physiological protective mechanisms like increased heart rate, breathing more rapidly to try to get you primed to escape the situation that you're in. So let's use an example. Let's say you're in a dark room and you can't see. So you don't have very good visual input of what's around you. And you hear a noise behind you. The noise is just, you know, the wind, <laughs> the wind blowing something over. But it, when it's dark outside, you might get more startled than if it was light outside. You have less visual ability, visual input around you because it's dark. So something that maybe not might not startle you and cause your limbs to tighten up and your heart rate to spike and you to breathe more rapidly during the day maybe does at night because you know you don't have the visual input as well as you could if it was light outside. Or if there is a loud noise that startles you, it activates your startle reflex and your muscles tighten, you stand up straighter and you kind of move backwards and your heart rate starts to pump heavily to to prepare you to run. So these are all physiological processes that happen when your nervous system detects a possibility of danger in your environment. And maybe it doesn't have full control, or maybe it's not getting good inputs via your five senses. It's evolutionarily designed to prime your body to get you out of a situation that it detects might not be super safe. However, what's interesting is when there's kind of less obvious examples of your nervous system trying to protect you or maybe less conscious. So maybe you have some chemical inflammation from eating or drinking something that your body didn't like. And this may disturb your neural input to muscles and tissues because of that chemical inf inflammation. Or it could be as small as, you know, your shoes are too tight and it's restricting the mobility of your feet. And when these little inputs happen, even if it's something as small as your brain's going, I don't have good input of where my foot is in space. I don't have good control of where my foot is in space. Your body can compensate in small ways like, you know, tightening your neck after a night of drinking because of the chemical inflammation or tightening your hips because of decreased function of your foot due to poor shoe wear. So usually these things are no big deal in small doses. This is what our body is built for. Our body is built to compensate, to get us through life. And compensations aren't necessarily a bad thing, especially if you know they're temporary. But they can start to add up if these things become more chronic. So the tightness itself isn't a problem is what I'm trying to convey here before we get into vision. The tightness is not a problem. It's the result. It's the response of your software when something is off in the hardware. So the tightness came as a defense mechanism because some other input gave your nervous system cause to put the guardrails on. And tightness isn't necessarily a bad thing. 
If you're active, you actually want some level of tightness so that you don't move into positions where you could damage structures like joint capsules and ligaments, right? You want to be able to control the range of motion. You want your muscles and your tendons to stop you at a certain point. So you, especially if you're holding weight and doing resistance training so that you don't move through a range of motion that damages things like ligaments and, and joint capsules. People with hypermobility are actually vulnerable to injury because they aren't able to control these deep ranges of motion that could damage structures. So could most of us afford, you know, better mobility? Yes, probably. Most of us are very stationary and tend to do the same movements over and over. But my point is that endless mobility isn't necessarily what we want. So, so because tightness is complex and because we actually want some level of tightness, this is these are the reasons why I don't give the blanket recommendation to just stretch to improve tightness because ultimately we don't know why you're tight. Again, your nervous system is highly highly trained to be able to pick up things in your environment in your body and protect you. So, we don't know if the area of tightness is even the problem or if it's just a compensation symptom from a problem happening elsewhere. You know, it could be from overuse of a workout program that's wearing down your body, or maybe it's from inflammatory foods. Maybe it's emotional stress causing an influx of stress hormones that are causing inflammation. Maybe it's, you know, your foot function is decreased because you've been cramming your feet into shoes that are too small for decades, and now your hips are tight. You know, we just don't know why your nervous system is trying to protect you there. So that's why I don't necessarily give the blanket recommendation to just stretch to improve tightness, especially, you know, if I haven't evaluated someone. So another thing that it can be, another reason for tightness, which is what we'll talk about today, is maybe you don't have clear visual and vestibular input. And your visual and vestibular system are what we're going to go through today really interesting. And I want to first say that I have a pretty introductory understanding of this. I know that there are other experts who can lead you much deeper into this if you're interested. So if you're interested in learning more, check out Z Health, which uh, Z Health is neurocentric education for health and fitness professionals. This is not sponsored by Z Health. I just think they're a really awesome company and they're doing a ton of awesome education, really interesting stuff. And I've been exposed to some of their content through some of my mentors in PT school and stuff, and it's just really excellent. So Back to that 11 million bits per second of information that your brain is processing. Of that, 50 bits per second is conscious. So a very, very small fraction of the information that your brain is processing is actually conscious, which is just so amazing. Our brains are so amazing. Of that 11 million bits per second of information, 10 million of that information is coming in from the eyes. The eyes are taking in tons of pieces of information for your brain to process. And one of the things your brain does with this visual information is it regulates the tone or tautness of the tissues across your entire body in order to keep you safe, and in particular, your neck. So your visual system plays a big role in really your musculoskeletal system, the ability of your muscles to contract and relax, the tightness, the tautness, the tone of your muscles is very heavily influenced by the information that you're getting in through your eyes. The upper cervical spine or the first you know, couple bones of your neck, the ones closest to your skull, are the most mobile part of your vertebral column. 
the first two vertebrae of your neck, so C1 and C2, account for about 60% of your neck rotation. So, you know, you've got seven cervical vertebrae, the first two account for 60% of your neck rotation. So, and these are tiny little bones. So although this is, you know, a small part of your neck, it accounts for most of your motion. And the upper cervical spine is also very neurosensitive. There is a greater concentration of muscle spindles or little organelles that sense position change and length of the muscles. There's more kind of density of muscle spindles in these tiny muscles than there are, you know, in a much larger muscle of the shoulder. So your upper cervical spine has a lot that it senses and picks up on and can restrict your range of motion very quickly and very easily. And this is a good thing, right? Because these this area has an important job and it's to help protect what's right there, right? The brain and your spinal cord. So we want these muscles to be very neurosensitive and to be able to pick up on things from your vision, to be able to pick up things from your environment and tighten when they need to so that we can keep our spinal cord and our brainstem safe. Control of the neck happens primarily by two systems, your vestibular system, which is what we're going to talk about, and the proprioceptive system of the neck. So your proprioceptive system is just kind of what's sensing movements of your body. So you have little receptors that live in tendons and other tissues of the neck that sense body position and movements of your body. And these receptors are providing constant feedback to your brain to regulate posture, to keep you upright without you having to consciously think about it. So thanks to these little neuroreceptors, you don't have to think about keeping your body upright. You don't have to consciously think about that. Your brain is just kind of doing it automatically via the input from your proprioceptive system and from your visual system. Your vestibular system is made up of little canals inside your inner ear that sense your head position and sense how your body is moving in space. So if your body is accelerating forwards or backwards or if your head's turning side to side, this system is interacting with your vision through several reflexes that ultimately communicate your head position to your brain and ultimately tell your brain, you know, we, we're moving forward and it's okay. You know, we're not toppling over, we're safe, we're good, or we're turning quickly to the side. And it, it, this is the system that's kind of orienting you so that you can stay balanced and you're not going to topple over. Your vestibular system is also at work to regulate, again, your posture and balance. And input from this system and the visual system can give your brain an idea of the level of quote-unquote threat that you're under and thus create a level of tightness. So it's the system that helps you see straight when you're walking and you're, you know, when you're walking, your head's kind of bobbling around. And if it weren't for our vestibular and visual system, our brain, we wouldn't be able to stay balanced, right? We wouldn't be able to like focus on the horizon. We'd be all disoriented. And, but because of the system, it's kind of giving our brain feedback that no, we're safe. We're walking. We're good. We don't have to get dizzy. We don't have to fall over. It's also the reason, this is interesting, why you get motion sickness. Motion sickness happens when your visual and vestibular system aren't getting inputs that they know how to regulate. So maybe your body is moving too fast, or maybe there's a mismatch between, my, you know, my vestibular system senses that I'm accelerating or I'm moving around, but my my vision, the input coming in from my eyes, isn't matching how I'm moving around. So when this happens, when there's this kind of mismatch, 
your visual and vestibular system are then sending a red alert up to your brain that you may be under some level of threat. And your brain sends signals to your body to get you to escape the situation. It's like, oh my gosh, this is not good. We're in danger. We need to get out. Our vestibular system and our visual system, they're having a mismatch. And this isn't good. This can't be good. This isn't safe for us. So we need to get out. And what's the fastest way for your body to get you to leave a situation? Make you vomit, right? So pretty interesting. But the the visual and the vestibular system can get disoriented, not just, you know, from motion sickness. I mean, that's at the extreme, but it can also get disoriented from lack of use or even from, you know, moving your head up and down, like in a yoga class or in a cardio class, especially if you are so accustomed and trained to just look straight forward at a screen that's a few inches in front of you every single day, all day, right? And then you go from doing that, your vestibular system isn't, you know, super in tune. And then you go do a cardio class where you're doing burpees and jumping up and down a lot. So the visual and vestibular system can, you know, get disoriented in much less severe ways than motion sickness, but your brain still might interpret that as a threat and respond. And, you know, it's less severe response than vomiting is tightness. So tightness often happens again in those very neurosensitive muscles, the suboccipitals at the very, you know, base of the head uh, where the neck and the skull meet and causes tightness here and restricts range of motion, particularly usually in your neck, but can also happen all across your entire body. Because again, tightness is a safety mechanism when your brain senses something's not all right. And what's super interesting about this is that you may be aware of the tightness, but you might not be aware of why you're tight. Again, one of the other reasons why I don't just give the blanket recommendation to stretch because we don't know the why. So what does this have to do with exercise? This is all pretty interesting, right? Okay, we understand that our vision is important for regulating tightness and tone and tautness in our body. What does this have to do with exercise? Because your nervous system operates on a hierarchy of needs. When your system is under threat, even if it's small and unconscious to you, remember, we're only conscious of like 50 out of 11 million bits per second, basic functions like breathing and keeping your joints safe and keeping your brain stem and your spinal cord safe are generally above being able to lift heavy things or keep you loose and supple and comfortable on that hierarchy of needs, right? Your body's number one goal above all else is to just keep you safe. And those basic functions are going to come above the non-essential functions, like again, being able to lift heavy things. So power and mobility are two things that come much easier when your body feels stable and secure. When your system can feel safer, your body feels more stable and it can focus on other things like producing more and better muscular output. When you can produce more and better muscular output, you can recruit a higher percentage of fibers and see better muscular growth. So we can see how understanding our software and understanding how different inputs that are coming in through our eyes and through diff- you know, different five senses can ultimately affect the outputs or the results from our workouts and how we feel and function. So hopefully you can see how powerful your nervous system is and again, I'm not an expert in the visual system. I'm sure I'm missing important pieces. Uh, I also think that we have a lot more to uncover about the nervous system and understand about the nervous system. But my hope is that this will get you to kind of start asking questions about, you know, certain inputs like vision and, and that maybe 
improving other systems, like your visual and vestibular system, could ultimately help improve you as a whole. So we're not just looking at mechanics. We're not just looking at gritting through. We're looking at how can we improve these other systems that can ultimately unlock you know, better muscular output that can make it easier for us to see results and be more comfortable throughout the process. So let's get into how to improve your vestibular system. And there are a few drills that I'm aware of, just a couple simple drills that we'll walk through today. There's a lot more that we could probably talk about, but I'm just going to talk about two today that you could add in to your routine. Now you can add these in really wherever, whenever you want. So you can add them into a warm up. Before your exercise, you could add them in between sets, you could add them after your workout, or you could just even add them throughout your day. What I do is I, if I stare at my screen all day and my neck kind of is aching and I feel like sort of dizzy, I will, uh, I'll get up and I'll do a few of these and it'll immediately help me. So you can thread these really throughout your entire day. It doesn't have to be before, during, or after your workout. So here's the test. And you can do this right now as you're listening. And if you want a visual on this, I did a post on my Instagram demoing this on, I did it on, I think, January 25th, 2022. So if you need a visual, you can go look at that post. My Instagram is at drshannondpt, dr.shannon.dpt. All right, so start by standing up straight and bring your feet together. Slowly turn your head to the right and to the left as far as you comfortably can. So notice how far you go and you aren't looking for a big stretch. You're not like holding it. You're not cranking your head around, but just notice how easily you're able to actively turn your head from side to side and try to keep your shoulders still, try to keep the rest of your body still, just easy movement through the head, easy rotation. Now, so that's like kind of, you're getting your baseline level of how your neck is moving right now. Now we'll go into the first drill. So either you could do this with feet together and standing. You can do this in what's called tandem stance. So it means like heel toe stance, like you're walking on a tightrope, or you can even do it on one foot. And one foot is obviously the hardest and you might just try it with your feet together just so you don't fall over. Try it with your feet together. If that's too easy, try it in tandem stance. If that's too easy, lift one leg up. So you'll start by finding your feet position that feels challenging Bring your one arm straight out in front of you. So arms straight out in front of you and make a thumbs up position. So your thumb is facing towards the sky, like heads up, seven up. And we'll do two different drills with your arm in this position. So your eyes will stay locked on the wrinkles of your thumb. So you will track your thumb wrinkles, keeping your head completely still for the first one. So you'll move your arm or your thumb one inch to the right, one inch to the left as fast as you can. Keep your head and body completely still, but focus and keep your thumb wrinkles in perfect acuity. So you want to track your thumb and do it for about, you know, six, 10 seconds. Everything behind your thumb will get blurry and you just are really focusing on the wrinkles of your thumb. You're not looking away from those thumb wrinkles. It's important that your eyes are tracking your thumb. So that's the first drill. You'll do this for about six to 10 seconds and you may feel a little wobbly. You may feel a little dizzy as long as you know you're safe and you're not going to fall over. That's okay to feel a little dizzy. Um, If you do feel a little dizzy, it could indicate that this this could be a drill that you might incorporate more often. And then we'll do the second drill. So the second drill is similar except this time your thumb isn't moving but your head's moving. So your arm stays completely still, your thumb stays completely still. You look straight out in front of you, focus your eyeballs, your vision on the thumb wrinkles and move your head 
you know, one inch to the right, one inch to the left as fast as you can. You want it to be like, hopefully you can hear my snapping. It's like a quick, 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 quick. Now you're not like going in a big range of motion. You don't want to like throw your neck out or anything like that, but small range of motion. You're keeping your eyes completely locked on the wrinkles of your thumb. Important that you're not darting your eyes around, but your eyes are staying locked on that thumb. Now, if your thumb in either of these drills, if your thumb wrinkles get blurry, you need to go slower. So you only go as fast as you can, keeping your thumb wrinkles in clear focus. And that's important. And you'll find that as you get better at this, you, you'll be able to move faster and you'll be able to um, improve really your visual acuity. It's pretty interesting. So after you do that, you'll do each drill for about six to seconds, six to 10 seconds total. So this entire thing takes like 30 seconds. That's why it's so easy to incorporate into your day. You'll come back and retest your range of motion. So you'll stand straight up, start, you know, starting position and turn your head to the right, turn your head to the left. Notice if your range of motion improved. For most people that I worked with when I was in clinical practice and we that I did this with or that I sensed that you know they might could benefit from this, which I think is most people, they saw an immediate improvement in their range of motion, immediate. Now, why does your range of motion immediately improve even though you didn't stretch? It's because you gave your nervous system better inputs. You sharpened your visual and vestibular acuity. Your nervous system felt safer and more in control, and it responded by improving range of motion. You improved, you know, you upgraded the software, and therefore the hardware works better. You know, the screen is brighter, the mouse is more responsive, whatever it is, right? So our improving our software can improve our hardware. So many people feel even an improvement in range of motion across their entire body, not just the neck. So you can do this if you have an area of your body that is like your vulnerable vulnerable spot. Like if you're like, my right hip is always way tighter than my left, or my right ankle is always way tighter than my left. You could do it with any joint. Test your, your range of motion on both sides before and after, and do this drill and see if it improves. And if it does, something that you could incorporate in, th- in throughout your day, a few times a day, like three, four times a day. And the reason that really your entire body can be affected by this drill is because global tightness, global means like all over your body, global tightness is a symptom of balance disturbances. Remember, tightness is a symptom. So global tightness is a symptom of balance disturbances and your vestibular and visual system are highly responsible for balance. So again, if you sharpen that piece of the software, tightness may improve in your entire body. So again, if you did this and improved your range of motion three, four times a day, six, 10 seconds, doesn't have to be very long. You could do it before or after your workouts. Improving the acuity of your vestibular system and your vision is something that probably most of us need, again, since we stare straight forward at our screens all day long. And our our body tends to operate in a use it or lose it fashion. So I would say probably most of us could uh, benefit from a little bit of vestibular work. When I was in clinical practice, this trick would just freak people out because, again, we are taught that the only way to improve range of motion is to stretch. But increased range of motion is an indicator that you're onto something and that your nervous system feels safe and that you're giving your body good inputs. So it's not a magic trick. It's really understanding your nervous system, how it operates, improving the input so the outputs improve. And this may not work for everyone, by the way. It, you know, I found it works for most people, but if it doesn't work for you, It's just something to keep in your back pocket in case you want to come back to and try it another time. One more thing is that this 
drill, these drills, vestibular drills will also improve your balance because balance has something to do with, you know, practicing standing on one foot, but it has most, mostly to do with your visual and vestibular acuity. So keeping that vestibular system well-oiled is much more effective for balance training than just like, you know, standing on one leg and practicing standing on one leg. So give this a try, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. We are incorporating vestibular drills into our cardio classes these days, so we're doing them after our, we have a 15-minute cardio burst class. We have a low-impact one and a higher-impact one, and we're doing the vestibular drills right after our cardio classes. Pretty interesting, and the members are seeing kind of cool things. So you can join us in Evlo if you'd like. We have 14 days for free right now. That special is probably going to end soon. We'll probably bring it back to seven-day free trial, but you can try Evlo for 14 days for free. And there's also eight free classes that I will link in the show notes. So all of that is in the show notes. That is it. Hopefully you found this interesting. Feel free to listen to it again. I know it was kind of dense and we will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.